Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend, my partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, so much has happened in the NFL since we last podcasted, and the last time we recorded, I felt like a ton had happened. So this has just been a crazy offseason, and I have a theory about it that I want to run by you that sort of... I think might inform a little bit about why this is happening and also why it might keep happening. And I want to get your take on it. Um, Here's my theory. I think we're seeing the first wave of general managers across the league who have grown up native to both fantasy sports and Madden. So you've basically got GMs in the league who are like our age or younger. Um, it's rare that there are old GMs anymore. Like, like Rick Spielman up with you guys, um, you know, when y'all let him go, he was one of the last kind of old school GMs. And so you've got this rash of young GMs across the league. They grew up native to fantasy. They grew up native to Madden. And, you know, I think they see players more as assets than like, uh, I don't know, real people for lack of a better term. Even though like all the rhetoric is about how they're real people. I think there's a third factor in this, and that is uh, analytics. Which, yeah. and I and I I don't mean that in sort of like the old man grumpy analytics, but just the yeah. looking at football through the realm of n- primarily numbers. Yeah. So, for example, you look at a player versus his dollar value, a player versus his his career arc. You know, so if you can get you you basically want running backs for their first contract, and that's it. That kind yeah. of thing because yeah. of because of what the numbers say. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think on the fantasy sports, on the Madden, where transactions are everything, and you're just plugging in the the top talent, and yeah. then you have analytics where you just look at guys and you're like, we love this guy, not worth the money. There are no emotional signings. Yeah, that's right. And if you grow up in this Madden and fantasy saturated universe. Like making the deals and acquiring players is the funnest part. Like playing the season is sort of second second tier. Yeah, you, tier, sim- you, you simulate know. the season so you can go make trades and build a roster. That's right. And there's such an emphasis even in the media cycle now, Pipe, on the offseason. And we've talked about this before, how brilliant the NFL is in terms of you know keep, keeping it hot for all 12 months of the calendar year and making things that – may or may not be actually newsworthy, newsworthy. This was an off-the-charts year of that just with Deshaun stuff and all, all the things happening player movement-wise in the league. So let's let's talk about a couple of these. Um, well, let's just start with the Deshaun thing. That's probably like the lead in terms of uh, the biggest thing that's happened since the last time we talked. I want to I wanna go at this from the perspective of, well, let me ask you this first. Do you have any Cleveland Browns fans in your life? Yeah, I have a few. I do too. How how have your Browns fans responded to this? Like what's been the sort of psychological um gymnastics that they've had to do to be excited about this? I mean, it's a, it was immediate excitement and then okay. kind of a yeah. well, I mean, I know <laughs> that yeah. he that kind of thing where they sort of mm-hmm. But they showed their hand immediately. Yeah, Just, they all become wait, we got a kind top of, five quarterback. Pay him anything. Yeah, exactly. 
and they all become kind of legal experts, right? They all become like Wolf Blitzer, or like Greta Van Susteren, and you're getting links to like, well, this is the actual meaning of indictment, you know, and, and they're trying to figure this yeah, thing out. And He's been cleared of all criminal charges, those kinds of things. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and so that's, that's how my guys have been too. That's been one aspect of it. The other aspect, and I want to talk about this and also the Deshaun on the field stuff. The other aspect of it has been how quickly emotionally they've gone from loving Baker Mayfield and, oh, my gosh, he's gritty, he's fiery, he plays hurt. You know, people love him. Um, you know, he's he's rallied us to some amazing victories. They go from that to, like, I hate this guy. He's immature. We got to get rid of him. You know, sell him for anything. Like, the the emotional flip-flop on Baker Mayfield has been fascinating and I think Browns fans more than any other fan base have sort of bought into the fantasyification of like roster work from year to year um I would say there's never been well what else did they have to hang their hat on for like 20 years well that's true it was number one draft picks and then it was asset collection and then it was yeah (laughs) roster building etc Right. They've they've been sort of they've been winning the off seasons. They've been they've been like they've had the off season championship belt the last few years. But I mean look at it. They're on their second batch of like all star team wide receiving course. You know, the first one didn't work out. Um you know, their their allegedly like all star team defense didn't work out. I don't know, it's it's interesting to be a Browns fan in this moment because you could make the argument that the roster is appreciably worse than it was last year. Um, apart from the Deshaun thing, who we don't even know if he's going to be on the field that much um, this upcoming season. So where are you at on the Browns pipe? I, I mean, yeah, I think they are one of the most, they're probably one of the highest variance teams in football right now because mm-hmm. um, because I, I wouldn't be surprised if Deshaun is suspended for a good chunk of the year, probably rightfully so, you know, let's yeah. just, yeah. the NFL probably needs to put a setting aside, whatever their moral obligation is. There's sort of a sense of like, we need to take definitive action now that the thing is defined in court and yeah. punish this guy so that we can move on as a league. And yeah. that's setting aside all thoughts of what he may or may not have done, which I don't want to get into. Um, right, so right. let's assume he's suspended for, half or all of the season yeah which by the way the way they wrote that contract is just a big middle finger to the league you know yeah did you see it where he's guaranteed one million dollars this year and like 45 million dollars for the five years following or something like that right yeah it's it's fascinating and again the browns fans in my life were like oh my gosh this is so smart and then I hate to be the well actually guy. And I hate to be, let's do a minute on this. I hate to be the wet blanket, but I sort of found myself wanting to be the wet blanket a little bit with Browns fans. Um, because, it, and I don't want to get on some moral high horse here, but it's, he's, he's currently, okay? Like, currently he's a very hard guy to get excited about. Um, and he's gotten a wide berth from the media. I, I think the media has really kid gloved him, you know, and the media is in this kind of Sophie's choice of, do we make it about race or do we make it about gender? And 
as a result, uh, I don't know. You know, he's just he's kind of gotten a wide berth so far. When the fact is, you have to make it about one of those things. Although I've heard gender nine times out of ten, which I think is probably yeah. appropriate in this case. Uh, I think give, it probably given is. the accusations yeah. against him. Uh, yeah, but absolutely. you have to make it about those before you make it about football. The thing that we are we are not yeah. at the point where we can say let's talk about how this affects the Browns. No, I right. have not heard anybody analyze how he works in Kevin Stefanski's offense, for example. Yeah. Despite the yeah. fact that that's, I think that's what all the football fans want to get to. We just yeah. kind of are, we're like, all right, well, we haven't we haven't checked off all of our moral obligations on this one yet. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you that. How do you think he's going to work? Let's say he's suspended for half the season. Okay. Which I think is probably kind of best case scenario um, for the Browns from a football standpoint is he's only out half the season. Um, I think a really interesting storyline becomes what if, what if like Colt McCoy or Case Keenum or whoever their backup is like, didn't they sign Brissett? Yes, they have Brissett. That's it. Uh, my bad on that one. Uh, Which was also okay. interesting because by signing Brissett, you're 100% saying uh, Baker's not playing here next year. We got our yeah, guy. Right. We got our backup to our guy. The guy we drafted first overall is leaving. Yeah. I guess I have, I have a pretty low view of Jacoby Brissett. So the thing that I was going to say was, what if the backup just plays his tail off and has like a career eight-game run, um, making it hard to put... Deshaun in. I don't know. Like so I, I enjoy I, those scenarios. I think Jacoby Brissett's time with the Colts showed us that uh, that's not going to happen. Well, yeah, <laughs> but like he could go four and four in those games. Yeah, he could because he could. I think their defense is strong. Yeah, they have a great offensive line, one of the best running backs in the NFL, and mm-hmm. at his best, Brissett is a adequate game manager. So let's say they go four and four. Watson comes back for the stretch run. Granted, he hasn't played football in two years, so what's exactly. he going to look like? Because yeah, yeah, I mean, I, or was it is it two years, year and a half? I don't know. It's been a long, long time. Yeah, at least a year and a half. Um, and it's not like he can be when he's suspended. It's not like he can be in the building. He's not like a normal yeah. player rehabbing an injury, watching tape, doing the whole doing the whole thing. So I, I realize this is a waste of other top level talent, but part of me thinks going back to that. Madden fantasy roster building extravaganza yeah. that you just slow play Watson this year. So if he's suspended yeah. for the whole year, it probably works in the Browns' favor because then next year they get Watson and a high draft pick. Yeah. To add to an already solid roster. Yeah. Now the problem is you've wasted a year of Miles Garrett. You've wasted a year of Nick Chubb. You've spent yeah. a lot of money on not winning. So maybe that's not an option <laughs> for them. But, yeah. Uh, but boy, would it set him up well for next year. And as far as how he fits in Stefanski's offense, like everybody fits in Stefanski's offense. Cause it's, it's yeah, basically that's kind of the point of it. play action and, mm-hmm. and then well-designed passing plays to get guys open, you know, downfield. And yeah, every, a quarterback like Watson makes all the receivers better. He also makes the running backs better because he has to be paid attention to. So, yeah. you know, Nick Chubb is going to have a little more room and a little more time, which is a dangerous thing. So, yeah, it's it's hard not to see them being a really explosive offense if he's in shape and healthy and playing, you know, post suspension, whatever that yeah. suspension is. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. I think I'm a little bit less bullish on their offensive line than you are. Um, you know, they're okay at tackle. 
Uh, Jedrick Wills maybe hasn't been amazing. He's serviceable. Um, they lost their center. Did they replace J.C. Treader with anybody noteworthy yet? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Let me ask you this, Pipe. Because I, I think this is a fascinating storyline, and I think it's been underreported. And I think there's still upside to this storyline. What becomes of Baker Mayfield? Um... I think he would be a really interesting dice roll for a handful of teams that are still up in the air at quarterback. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious as to why it's not happening unless he's just like an impossible person in the clubhouse. Uh, your thoughts on Baker? I mean, I think we know exactly what Baker is, and he fits in that category of quarterback who's adequate NFL starter, you know, mm-hmm. um, does not make the team go. Rather, the team has to be going for him to kind of navigate this thing. Okay, it's a little bit like uh, when I was when I was like five years old. Um, my dad or my grandpa would they, uh, would take me out on, on my grandpa's property in Georgia. They had a big pecan orchard, and we would drive <laughs> like the tractor or the old station wagon around, and I would steer, yeah. but he would do the pedals. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and so. Baker is me at five years old steering the station wagon. Like he's, if somebody else is making this thing go, he can kind of navigate it. Okay. Yeah. So, which is to say he'd probably be a good fit in like Carolina or Seattle, unless they just want to tank and yeah. have a high pick. He's, he's going to be one of those guys who he probably falls into the Teddy Bridgewater career arc. Yeah. Except that he does not have the attitude of Teddy Bridgewater. Everybody wants Teddy on their team. Apparently, nobody yeah. wants Baker on their team. Yeah, it's really interesting, man. Like, I don't know. I look at a team like New Orleans, and New Orleans is kind of doing the we're positive about Jameis thing again. And I don't know. I guess I'd rather have Baker than Jameis. I'd rather have Baker. <sighs> This is going to be an unpopular take, but I think I'd rather have Baker than Jalen Hurts in the sense that when Baker is healthy, he had two really good seasons, and he's had two really terrible seasons when he's played through stuff. So you look at that body of work, and you look at some of the games and some of the wins and go, this guy can be really dynamic and effective when, as you said, the pieces are in place around him. I... So Baker is a he's an interesting case study in watching the games, right? So let let's do a watch the games thing and compare Baker and Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. who I want to hear your emotions about. 
Um, but so if you look at the stats, you go Kirk Cousins. Yeah. He's the guy, right? But if you actually watch the games, depending on what games you're watching, you might take Baker. Well, and the, the, difference, like, the difference between those two guys is that mm-hmm. it, I think they're, they're probably pretty equivalent quarterbacks overall, which means that, yeah, they're yeah. both. I, I, Baker is better than Teddy Bridgewater. When I said that, when I gave yeah, that example, sure. I was talking about career arc of what his, like, he's not going to get a huge quarterback five-year contract from some team. I don't think ever. Um, right. Maybe he will, but so I just mean he's going to get like the two-year stopgap starter thing, but he's better than that. So yeah. Cousins, Cousins is a much steadier hand than Baker is. Yeah. Baker will make plays that Cousins won't even try. That's One of the, the most thing. aggravating yeah. things about Kirk Cousins is everything fits in an exact box. He will not yeah. throw a guy open. He will not like scramble around and make plays. He's yeah. he just steadfastly refuses to take risks despite having guys like Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. who can who can dominate their opponents. And so yeah. he leaves plays on the field, which is also why one thing like when he's when he's under pressure, when he's rattled, he gets worse. And Yeah. Baker just doesn't give an F about any of that stuff. So <laughs> exactly. he comes out and makes some really dumb plays that hurts the team, but also will try stuff. And so yeah. the net result is probably pretty equivalent. You end up with, you end up with an occasional playoff team and about a 500 team because it all averages out. Yeah, no, that's right. Cousins is your, he's your classic like pro football reference quarterback. You know, if you're if you're digging into the stats and and you know maybe he's emblematic of the analytics driven era that we're in, where if your world is numbers more than your world is film, you're talking yourself into it year after year. And speaking of talking yourself into it, you have a Kirk Cousins emotional status update for us, Piper. Um, and I'm I'm reading some things into your text, okay. And one of the things that I'm reading in is. Maybe you've talked yourself into it a little bit. Uh, where are you at on that? Okay, so the text I sent you was, uh, I want to discuss how I'm making peace with their Kirk Cousins situation. <laughs> the key okay. word here is situation. Yeah, yeah. I don't like Kirk Cousins as the Vikings quarterback. It yeah. makes me just kind of <laughs> constantly. Yep. So the situation is this. He... They, they signed him to an extension again, and immediate reactions by all the fans who don't like him, myself included, was like, why would they do this? This is the dumbest thing. Well, it right. did two things. It lowered his cap number this year, and it lowered his cap number next year to a realm of like low to mid-30s instead of mid-40s. So that's good yeah. for the roster now. It also gives flexibility to get rid of him in the future because it's easier to trade $35 million than $45 million. So yeah. the other piece of it that I've made peace with is that the the only reason I wanted to get rid of Cousins is because I would have liked somebody else who who kind of played the role better. Kurt, yeah. Kirk was paid like a top five quarterback and plays like a middle third quarterback. Sure. So if he's paid like a middle third quarterback, I don't dislike him as much. Yeah. Or if he plays like a top five, I love him forever and ever. And uh yeah. And so I was like, can we just get a guy who's paid according to his play? Yeah. The problem is you can't when you already have him signed. And so the alternative was trade him for garbage 
Yeah. And then what draft Kenny Pickett? No thanks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't so and there was a lot of Vikings fans who were like, we need to, you know, tear it down to the studs and rebuild this team because we we're just running it back again. When was the last time that worked in the NFL? Right. Nobody tears it down to the studs and then successfully rebuilds easily. See also the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I who mean, have they, been, they they've been in this for a decade. Yes. Yeah. They were the vacant lot with like stud walls for 20 straight years before finally somebody mm-hmm. was like, let's just, we, we're going to, we're going to put some money into talent. And they lucked into a couple first overall picks and different things. And now they're yeah. adequate. They're still not great, but they're, they're like a real football team. They're about as good as the Vikings after all of that. Yeah. So it makes right. sense not to tear it down. And yeah. And the third thing is there's a new GM. Everybody wanted to see like a brand new start. And I was yeah, like, honestly, right. I think it makes sense for him to come in and start to clean up around the edges, evaluate yeah. the talent that's there, figure out what's working. And I would be next year is the year that I would anticipate bigger changes. So yeah, if, if Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach and Adolfo Mensa, the GM don't like cousins after this year, he won't be there next year. Right. But right. so I have talked myself into, okay, they, they didn't make drastic moves, which are fun from an emotional perspective, but risky and probably stupid. Yeah. And they've put themselves in a position where they can build a team that if they swap quarterbacks next year, that guy is coming into a better position. So yeah. I'm, I'm not happy with it, but they were never going to be a Super Bowl contender anyway, I don't think. Yeah. So it's, I, I'm. I'm making peace with it. I'm generally okay. I can stomach Kirk for another year knowing that it's, if he's awesome, I will yeah. like him more. If he's not awesome, he probably won't be here any longer. Yeah. I look forward to a world where we no longer have to talk about him. This has gone on way too long. Yes. You know, it, it really has been like the broken record. Do you know that why we... we're talking about him? I mean, aside why? from the fact that I'm a Vikings fan, so I'm forced to, it's because he's the best agent in the NFL. Oh, yeah. He's in the contract hall of fame for sure. The, the he's man get, has, he's getting a gold jacket. Yeah. The man has been overpaid for his performance more than any other player in NFL history, I think. Yeah. It's remarkable. And, uh, it's, and it's really kind of on brand for him, um, in terms of, yeah, just all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting pipe, you know, and I, and, and I think you're right. You know, something drastic could have happened in a universe where, this year's quarterback draft class was what we thought it was going to be going into last football season, right? So, um, you know, you could have seen something something more drastic at that position. But I, I think you're right. I think the Vikings have a clean it up around the edges kind of roster, and that was probably the smart play. Well, I, the other piece is that I think the rest of the division is still pretty weak, and so they may as well take one last shot at wild Carter division championship. Yes. The Packers brought back Rogers, but they traded Adams. And so now their yeah. offense is, is pretty weak. Um, yeah. They're in a net negative for the off season for sure. And so they've gotten worse. The, the bears. Yeah. The bears are still a disaster. Well, we don't know what the bears are. Cause they have a new coach. They have a quarterback that drafted last year who was just almost ruined in his first season. I really hope fields yeah. bounces back because I love it when young quarterbacks turn good. The yeah. Lions are, that's what happens when you try to rebuild from the, you know, tear it down to the studs. So this is okay, let's do, do two minutes Vikings. on the Lions. And maybe the, maybe this is me doing like, uh, I want to believe in it stuff with the Lions. But they are a tear it down to the studs team who, 
if some things go right, I think they could be kind of frisky and kind of interesting in that they have one of the best offensive lines in the league and they're all young. Um, they've got to do something at guard, uh, but they can address that in the draft. Uh, they've got a Pro Bowl tight end, brought in DJ Chark to go with Amonra St. Brown. Two really good running backs when they're healthy. Jared Goff to kind of caretake. Uh, I don't love Jared Goff, of course. Jared Goff's not the piece that you're getting excited about. Um, they were kind of they 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 kind of found some frisky like pass rush toward the end. They invested in the interior part of the D line last year. Um, they got to come up with some answers in the secondary. I'm a I'm I've still got my Jeff Okuda shares. Um, he was injured three years ago last year, right? Yeah, he tore his Achilles. And if Okuda comes back and gives them anything, uh, or URIA was really good for them last year, they got to figure something out at safety. I don't know. They could be decent in a, in a world where, let's say the Packers just kind of see the wheels fall off, right? Because here, here's the thing about Rodgers and the Packers. If it goes south, let's say over the first half of the season it really goes south, he's going to... Uh, he, he's not going to be a bootstraps guy who's going to sort of put the team on his back <laughs> yeah, emotionally. He's the you opposite know what I mean? of good soldier. Yeah, he's the opposite of good soldier. Like, if it goes bad, it's going to go really bad. Chicago's going to be terrible. I don't know. I could kind of envision a world in which the Lions are interesting this year. Well, um, I, I agree with that. I think they're interesting from the perspective of they haven't done anything stupid. They haven't mm-hmm. misspent their money. They haven't signed guys to yeah. too long of contracts. They didn't like re-up Jared Goff for an insane amount of money. They can yeah. absorb his overly high contract, and it didn't hurt the team because I think it's only one more year. So yeah. they are set up well so that let's say they're a bottom five team again, which they probably will be. Next year's draft yeah. class is supposed to be stronger at quarterback. Yeah. So let's say they, I don't know, they get the dude out of Ohio State or whoever right. is coming out, dude out of Alabama. And... uh and all of a sudden, one of those guys is like this year's Justin Herbert or, you know, that kind of thing where all of a sudden they or Josh Allen or somebody who like they get that guy. They have the found the foundation for that guy to step into an actual professional football team. Right. Which you couldn't say about the Lions three years ago or two years ago. Yeah. You know, you can't say about like Carolina right now for the most part. Uh, yeah. There's just a few, you know, they I think they are doing smart things because they're not overreaching and misunderstanding their time frame. Yeah. And yeah, I think their biggest risk is that Goff actually plays really well and they win too many games. Now, I don't think it's likely. Yeah. But it's possible. Yeah, no, I agree. I want to run one more lines related thing by you and get your take on it. I think they have one of the only coaches with a personality in the league currently. Um can you think of another coach in the NFL right now that has a personality? Like, I think, I think Belichick has a persona. And I think Kyle Shanahan has a persona. Pete Carroll You know, is Shanahan's close, but he doesn't wear his... Emo- he wears his emotions on his sleeve, but it's only like one note. Who's this? Pete Carroll. Oh, Pete Carroll. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're right. Um, it's one note with Pete Carroll. Shanahan's kind of like, you know, a little bit flat brim hipster you know same thing with uh, uh cliff kingsbury you know belichick's kind of the surly you know professor yeah. type 
McVeigh is Kim? football robot. Yeah, McVeigh's football robot. Um, I, think, I don't know. Uh, I think, why am I forgetting his name? Um, Washington. Are they? What are they? The Commanders now? Uh, yeah, the Was- the the Washington pretend football team. Um, Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera has a personality. I think. What a disastrous team, though. <laughs> like, no kidding. <laughs> what a disastrous team. Like, doubling down on Carson Wentz. This must be sort of like an NFC East hangover for Ron Rivera, where he was like, I hated coaching against Carson Wentz that one year that he was good. So I'm I'm going to, I'm doubling down on it. I, I don't know. This is bizarre to me. Yeah, I, um, I think for coaches to have personality, it, Oh, uh, dude in Miami, uh, McDaniel's or McDaniel. Oh, yeah, he's got a, he's got a bit of a personality. Yeah, we'll see if it gets polished off of him. But I think he's a, he's yeah. a character who who speaks his mind. Um, but I think for coaches to have personality, it's going to be one of two things: they either need to be old enough to kind of predate social media native. Yeah, right. Or young enough that they've grown up in it and learned how to be themselves in that realm. So, like, that's McDaniel. He's yeah. whatever. Like, he's like twenty four or something. And uh, yeah, exactly, and then he was in college two Quinn, years ago. the Lions coach, is like he's not old, but he's in the he kind of has boomer f- tendencies about him in in a yeah. in a in kind of a a likable way where he's just like absolutely just gruff, speaks from the heart, pours his emotions yeah. out on his sleeve, and it's, yeah. So he, but the guys in the middle are the social media natives who have learned how to be kind of polished, shined, muted. Like boring robots. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of boring um, robots, Tom Brady's coming back. That's probably all we need to say about that. Yeah, the de facto head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. I was going to say Bruce Arians had a personality until he was no longer a head coach. Or at least had and, a Kangol uh, hat, which looks like a personality. Yeah, and he was a he was a bit of a loose cannon yeah. in the in the pressers. Like he wasn't afraid to, you know, do a a Brady drive by yeah. every now and then and and just, you know, let him have it for something. But uh yeah, Bruce Arians out, Tom Brady in. Uh someone else is the head coach on paper, but it's 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 kind of Brady. Let, let me ask you this about that situation. The the public, I would say, football fans in general are kind of vaguely positive about Brady. You know, the people in his fan bases, like the New England people and the now the Tampa people love him, obviously, because he's he's brought great success. Is there a world in which there's kind of a boomerang effect to all this with Brady where he's he's clearly doing kind of like a big Queen's Gambit. Like he's playing chess. He's doing the big power grab in Tampa. Is is there a scenario in which all that goes south on him and the perception of Brady really tanks? What do you think? Not as long as he keeps his mouth shut. Like, well, one of two things. If If he mm-hmm. keeps his mouth shut and just like, doesn't say anything controversial, which he's really good at not saying anything. Mm-hmm. And if he plays decently, like if if yeah. he comes back and you know sets another like this man's eighty seven years old, look what he's doing with the football. How do we believe this? What is he forty four, forty five? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think people will just be like, man, Tom's doing it again. If he comes back and and pulls like a uh, you know final year. Brett Favre kind of thing where you're like, oh, he just doesn't have it. His arm fell yeah. off. The Philip Rivers, like, oh, he's he's right, all right. he can throw is lame ducks. Drew yeah. Brees, total fade at the end. 
if yeah. that's if that's where he ends up, I don't think people turn on him. I think people are just bored with him. He's been around for yeah. twenty five years. Like we're it's we're about due to be bored. Yeah. But he would have to absolutely sabotage himself with controversy or criminal activity or like snorting cocaine on camera for for his image. And honestly, that might help his image. People be like, oh, he is interesting. How about that? I don't know. Right. It's really hard to imagine him tanking his his whole thing. Yeah, no, it is. The scenario I was thinking through was, what if he grabs too much power? Because I think, and maybe this is just because... I have egomaniac tendencies and this is what I would do. Like um first ever kind of player player coach, like de facto player head coach. Um if he leans too hard into that and the team is mediocre, I could see it getting away from him. You know what I mean just from a PR standpoint. Um because Peyton was sort of the de facto offensive coordinator in Denver at the end. But he was aw shucksy enough to kind of pull it off. Uh, and he was Peyton, and he had the, the Sterling reputation and all that. Um, See, I, I don't think know. If, I'm just... I think if Brady did that with Arians, it would go against him. But the fact that it's Raheem yeah. Morris, who's not been a good head coach before, who's he's not young. He's been coaching for a long time, but he's, he's, a, he's a new head yeah. coach. I think everybody just sides with Brady. If things go bad and Brady yeah. grabs too much power, they're like, I don't know why the coach isn't just listening to him. That kind of yeah. thing. And yeah. you know, there it, it's it would be there 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 would also probably be a race factor there amongst a certain subset of the fans where Raheem Morris sure. is black, Brady's yeah. white, sort of the great white hope of quarterbacks type of thing, and uh yeah. that could that could be a factor there too. Yeah, no, it definitely could. Pipe, let's talk about receiver moves. Um tons of big receiver moves. I have this like I'm coming at this from from two directions. Um, one was I found myself watching the week two matchup between it was Rodgers versus Jimmy G. So it was Packers Niners. And no disrespect to Jimmy G, who we need to talk about still. But it looked like they were playing a different sport. Like Rodgers <laughs> and Devontae Adams were like, they were so on the same page. It was kind of like when you were playing football with like older kids and like two two of the older kids put themselves on the same team and they could just do whatever they wanted yeah. and everybody else was super frustrated. That was Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So Devontae goes to the Raiders. Tyreek Hill obviously goes to Miami. Um, there have been other big receiver moves. Or Amari, Amari receiver Cooper moves. went to Cleveland. Amari Cooper to Cleveland. I'm not excited about that one at all. I think I think that... I think that'll be good for Cleveland because he's he probably offers about as much as Odell Beckham right now, but like with yeah. five percent of the the drama. drama. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. He's fine, and he fits well in that offense because he's a great route runner. So it'll be. Which one of these moves do you think is going to be the biggest bust? Like, there's there's excitement all around for Devontae going to the Raiders, for Tyreek going to the the Fish. I um I think Tyreek Hill the biggest is bust? the biggest risk. Yeah. Um, because a he's over thirty. He's what is he thirty one, thirty two? Speed is, is he the, that old, Tyreek? I think so. Interesting. I could be wrong. No, I might be thinking of Devonte, but I'm I he yeah. Tyreek might only be like twenty eight or twenty nine. You're right. But he's yeah. a but he is a he his entire game is built on being the fastest man on the field. So yeah. he's a really skilled football player. But the reason he's 
a top three or four wide receiver is because he's a really skilled fastest man on the field that yeah those guys blow a tire it's bad news Miami's yeah. quarterback situation is way up in the air. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I want to, say to the believe least. in Tua. Last year I made the call, I but too. I thought he might make like the Josh Allen jump. Yeah. Way wrong. Um, yeah. So it's, it's funny. Josh Allen, I should just stop comparing anybody to Josh Allen because I, 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 I said Josh Allen was going to stink and he became an MVP candidate. I said Tua was going to make the jump and he became what I thought Josh Allen was going to be. And uh, yeah, not doing great on, on those comparisons. So I, I think. I think Tyreek is going to be he's going to be the biggest letdown like from a fantasy perspective I just would, I would expect like a 20 30% drop in his numbers um yeah. because he doesn't have a top 3 quarterback putting the ball in his hands 15 20 yards downfield he has a guy who barely throws 15 or 20 yards downfield so it's going to be what can he do after the catch a lot of slants lots of screens lots of you know trying to yeah. get him on the move which he's great at but defenses can adjust to that yeah yeah and you know they'll see a lot of too high you know they have a they have an interesting lineup offensively though and that they've kind of got the you know the big slot in Gesicki they've got Jalen Waddle on the other side they're gonna be hard to cover um but can Tua get the ball there yeah move they, the ball I think around, the biggest advantage you know. Tyreek brings to that team is that Jalen Waddle is going to be wide open all the time yeah yeah, that's true. Because the, the coverage will have to tilt Tyreek's way. Yeah, I, mm. I mean, if Tua is, if he reaches Baker Mayfield level, Kirk Cousins level of just, which I, I think that's probably his ceiling at this point, of just sort of like the offense is put together well, he can he can steer this thing a little bit. Then all of a sudden we're talking about Tyreek and Jalen putting up 1,000-yard seasons, 10 touchdowns, and I'm, you know, and I look a little bit silly. I just don't yeah. have a, I think it's, I think the risk is higher there. I think... Devonte Adams and uh, Derek Carr. I think Devonte Adams can can he can get open in any offense. He just yeah one of the most sublime route runners. Yeah, put defenders on skates you've ever seen. And I think yeah. Derek Carr has proven in the last couple of years with a pretty mediocre receiving cast. Yeah, that he can get guys the ball. I don't think he's great, but I think he's underrated. Yeah, I think Derek Carr is actually going to go bananas this year. If the Raiders can figure out their offensive line, I think some guys are going to have career years in that offense in that you've got to cover Darren Waller. You've got to cover now Devontae Adams. Hunter Renfro yeah. um, has been an interesting guy. Um, I mean, Hunter Renfro might have 110 catches this year. Waller had over 100 catches a couple years ago, I think, and that was with nobody yeah. else on the field to make life uh, easier right. for him. So, yeah, they... They still have Josh Jacobs, who is, while not a yeah. great running back, he like you have to take their running game seriously, and and they're Absolutely. not afraid to use him. He's also Absolutely. a solid pass catcher. So I yep. I think their offense could be a lot of fun this year. I think, and it and if, if you know, is it McDaniel's who's their head coach now? Um, uh, yes, Josh, Josh, Josh McDaniel's. McDaniels. Yeah, he's proven over the years that he can run a lot of different kinds of offenses. He knows yep. how to use different kinds of players. He's coached great tight ends. He's coached great slot receivers. He's go- coached great outside receivers. He's coached Tom Brady, Cam Newton, and Mac uh, Mac Jones. So there's, yeah, I don't see any reason why they they wouldn't have a really dangerous offense. Yeah, they're the AFC West team that everybody's kind of sleeping on. Um, I'm not drinking the Denver Kool-Aid. I just can't get there yet. 
Um, I'm not as bullish on Russell Wilson as I think a lot of people are. I'm not drinking the San Diego Kool-Aid. I realize they made some big splashy moves. They bring in J.C. Jackson. Um, Khalil Mack. I, I, Khalil Mack, which... What does Khalil Mack have left in the tank? I don't know. I'm I'm not... I think Khalil just, Mack has a lot more left in the tank when he's lined up across from Bosa than when he's lined up across from whoever yeah. the mess that the Bears have been running out there for the last six years. Yeah, and Khalil Mack kind of shut it down, too. When the Bears got bad, he sort of uh, got bored. Start, and, started uh, saving his batteries for a better... Uh, a better I mean, usage. He started saving his batteries. Yeah, I mean, he needs to turn into like late career Jared Allen, where the motor's there. He's across from somebody interesting, um, and he's he's a ten or eleven sack a year. Yeah, guy I mean, basically what Von Miller's done the last couple of years. Exactly, which is a cool kind of fascinating late career NFL player arc, and I've been watching this ever since. Charles Haley was a thing in the 90s and kind of became the pass-rushing hired gun for various teams' playoff runs at the end where Charles Haley would come in on third down and just pin his ears back. And even when he was like in his mid-30s, late-30s, he could still do it really well. Yeah, um, It's kind of an interesting deal. But I'm, I'm just I'm not there on San Diego. Um, well, San Diego has been the team on the brink for seemingly, I don't know, half a dozen years. Under Phillip yeah. Rivers, they were always on the brink. You know, they had a couple of good years, but never could get over the hump in the playoffs. They consistently lost a ton in December. Um, yeah. Bring in Brandon Staley, who was the defensive whiz for uh, for the Rams. And last year, their defense was bad and their offense was good. So let's assume yeah. their offense stays good because they've, I don't think they've lost anything there. Nah, they, you know, they re-signed their key receivers. Their offensive line is solid, et cetera. Yeah. If their defense gets decent, because they have talent at every level now, I yeah, they could be great, but that is, boy, whew, that division is just yeah. just haymakers every Sunday. It is, man. Yeah, not a lot of easy weeks on that schedule. All right, Pipe, let's do some rapid fire here to close it. Um, where do you think Baker Mayfield plays? Where do you think he ends up? Uh, I think... I think the Browns are going to be backed into the corner of um, trading him to somebody. Like Carolina is probably the best bet for yeah. like a sixth round pick. Yeah, on the cheap. I for mean, next to nothing. Basically, it, the Matt Ryan deal, except that Matt Ryan is probably better than Baker Mayfield at this point. And certainly the Colts situation is better than where, wherever Baker's going to get traded to. The other option is a team, maybe Seattle. Seattle might be like, they might get yeah. into camp and realize that Drew Locke is as bad as everybody else knows that he is. Um, sure. And they're like, oh, we can't do this. So they make a trade for him. Um, but again, like fourth to sixth round pick kind of thing where the Browns are basically getting off his contract. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, Matt Ryan to the Colts. How bullish are you on the Colts in light of this move? Everything about the Colts is solid and boring, which... Mm-hmm. is so bullish it's it's i mean they play in a bad division and that's their that's their yeah, best that's, right. that's their best bet i think the matt ryan move makes a ton of sense for them because they they're good enough elsewhere on the team to to be competitive to possibly win that division they they traded nothing for him they absorbed a reasonable salary i think they're paying him like 23 28 million 
Atlanta ate 16 million just to get rid of him. Like that's just on their books yeah. because of how they handled their cap. So maybe this is just sunk cost for them. <laughs> but I, I like it for the Colts. I think he's yeah. I think he's he's the right sort of can make the occasional play, steady hand, good in the locker room, well respected, and he's going to hand off to Taylor twenty four times a game. Yeah, I like this for them. I really do, especially in a weak division year. Uh, I really like. It I think for they them. should go out and sign Julio Jones for like cheap because it would be really because they need a receiver because they only have Pittman right yeah. now really. And Jones yeah. is just sitting out there, and I don't know if he's healthy, but it would be really fun to see a Matt Ryan, Julio Jones kind of late career reconnection. Yeah, and the Colts, they have a history of doing this. They got late career Andre Johnson during the Andrew Luck era, and that was uh, that was kind of fun at times. So I could get behind that. Uh, last one, who drafts Malik Willis? Because I, I have a Malik Willis thing that I'm chewing on for the Lions, uh, which is if I'm the Lions... And I hate doing this, dude, because this goes against everything that I believe in. If I'm the Lions and I'm sitting at number two and the Jags have taken Aiden Hutchinson and I don't need an offensive tackle because offensive tackle is one of the positions that the Lions are strongest in, I might take Malik Willis. Um, Your thoughts. And then where do you think he actually goes? See, I will forever be scarred by Christian Ponder, which, and what I mean by <laughs> yeah. that is a team who needs a quarterback reaches for one in the first round because he's one of the best in the draft. But if you compare yeah. him to quarterbacks in any other draft, he's like a third round pick. Um, yeah. I think Malik Willis's ceiling is obviously way higher than that. I mean, he, he, he could be Russell Wilson for all we know in, in three or four yeah. years. Um, but taking him at, I would not take him at number two, for the for all the reasons we talked about earlier, um, yeah, I think if I if they want Hutchinson and that and that guy's gone, I think they yeah. should try everything they can to trade back to a team who really sure. needs a tackle, pick up something yeah. else. Because if they can build that foundation for whatever quarterback they get next year, yeah, uh, I think that's the route they should go. Just continue to patiently build this thing. I think Willis yeah. would be best going to like. The Steelers or Atlanta or one of these teams that has signed yeah. a a veteran a veteran guy who everybody knows is not the long term guy. That's right. You know, yeah, because you got Mariota in Atlanta, you got Trubisky in Pittsburgh. Uh, you got. I mean, if, if he was if he was drafted by Washington, that'd be like another yeah. one where they might think yeah. Wentz is the long term guy. Wentz is not the long term guy. Um, right. And so, but again, if it you know if Detroit believes in him and they took him. They can start golf for the whole year and give him a chance to develop. But that's what I think sure. he needs is, is that I yeah. think Pittsburgh should take him because I think they have yeah. the best infrastructure and not as many needs elsewhere uh, yeah. to, to, to be able to absorb him and just be like, well, nobody's going to see you until next season, but you're going to get a yeah. lot better. Yeah, no, that's right. I like that. Uh, real quick pipe and I got to hop. Uh, do you care about like March Madness at all? And my reason for asking about this is as follows. So we're having some people stay at our house from like Monday through Wednesday next week. And the wife actually reached out to KK and was like, can we watch the game on Monday night? And KK was like, what game? 
And, dude, I haven't watched one minute of college basketball on TV in probably a decade. Like, I can't imagine a thing that I care less about. Um, and, and now we're, I'm going to have to watch this game with these people. Um, it'll undoubtedly be schools that I don't care about. And well, you don't I, care I'm about any of these schools, so that's a real safe bet. I, I don't care about any of the schools. I mean, although if it had been that scrappy, like small school with a guy with a mustache, yeah, I could have like I could have gotten behind so that. Was that St. Peter's? But, uh, I think St. Peter's. Yeah, yeah, I, that was that was a. Well, fun the thing deal. is, it's all like it's all like the college blue bloods, you know, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, et cetera. So it's, yeah, I don't care about it. Um, I will probably watch some of the final four uh which at the time of recording is tomorrow and then the championship by the time this releases y'all will know who the champion of the uh college basketball is um there was a time in my life college and post-college especially where like i would dedicate entire days to it you know especially that first thursday friday and i absolutely loved it memories of that are so but it feels very much like a it's like doing a movie marathon you know yeah where there's like there's a time and place in life where that's a thing you can carve out and do where you're going to be like at <laughs> yeah. 8 a.m. to midnight we're going to watch all the Lord of the Rings or all the James Bond movies all the Rockies yeah whatever yeah yeah and I'm like yeah <laughs> life doesn't allow for that and my emotional no. capacity to pour into sports has gotten smaller so I have to channel yeah. it towards you know my team you got to pick your spots or whatever a more. Uh, also I really dislike bad basketball and college basketball sucks. Yeah, it really does. Dude, did you ever have that cool teacher in high school who would like wheel the TV in on the cart and like just have it going on mute oh, yeah. like in the corner? Oh, it was uh yeah. it was our football coach who always was always. He was a terrible football coach, but he was a great dude. Um Yeah. And he would, yeah, so like lunch breaks or if we could, you know, sneak out of another class, we'd go hang out in his his like health class or whatever it was and and watch <laughs> yeah, games dude. on yeah, Thursday afternoons. Love it. Love it. Yeah, that's that's like my only positive memory of March Madness was was that happening. Um dude, I want to close with I picked up a really sneaky good sports book. Yeah. And I'm completely like engrossed in this thing, despite it being a sport that I don't really care about. It's the Andre Agassi memoir from like I don't know, two thousand nine or two thousand ten this thing came out. And I heard great things about it back then. And I sort of made a mental note, like, oh, I need to read that. And then I forgot about it. I ran across it at a book sale, grabbed it. It's fantastic. Have you read it? I have not, but I remember hearing the same thing. And I, you know, so Andre Agassi was a huge deal when I was like elementary and middle school, like early mid nineties, you know, had the mullet and the flat top. And like, I just remember thinking when the memoir came out thinking, oh yeah, I bet that guy has stories to tell. Yeah. And the dude, the writing is spectacular. So the guy that ghost wrote it uh, is this guy J.P. Moringer, and he wrote a novel called The Tender Bar that they just made a movie. What's his out own? Of that's his own like, memoir, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's his own memoir, yeah. right? It's uh, so it's not a novel, okay. or maybe it was a novelized version of his life. I didn't. Or, re- I, I don't remember. I didn't. Honestly, I think. I think the a Tender Bar is is his memoir, and suppose I haven't read it yet, but I just bought it and I'm looking forward to it. I didn't realize he ghost wrote it with Agassiz. Yeah, he has a reputation as a, fen- a phenomenal writer. Yeah, and this is phenomenally well written. Like I got a page and a half into it and I was googling who who ghost wrote this thing. Like it was that good. Um cuz I knew Agassi didn't do it. 
and it had to be somebody like really legitimate and uh and it was so as a ghostwriter it's it's kind of an interesting uh aspirational thing for me where i'm just like man this is this done at a really high level and it makes some interesting choices in terms of ghostwriting in that Moringer didn't seem very concerned with like even making it sound like Agassi. Mm-hmm. Um, but it totally didn't matter to me. I'm like, this is just a really good read. I don't care whose voice I'm listening to because it's just a good book. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It it made some interesting like ghostwriting choices to me, but I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. You should check it out. Yeah, though I I I probably will. I have uh man. I just I just tried to read one that was like the exact opposite. It wasn't a memoir, it was a bio and it was of Satchel Paige who uh-huh. you know, who by by reputation is like one of the most interesting athletes ever in terms of personality, right. larger than life. There's just stories about him, you know, telling yeah. all his outfielders to sit down, he's going to strike out the side. Yeah. And it was the most boring, dry uh. like and in this season, he struck out 127 and won. God, dude, and and it was pain. written by a guy you could tell doesn't understand baseball. Because like he doesn't right. use baseball lingo. He he tries to turn the lingo into every man language. I'm like, the only people yeah. who are going to read Satchel Page books know what 21 and 4 means. Yeah, that's like, right. We know what yeah. an ERA of 1.85 is. You don't need to tell us. Now, compared to the league, that's exceptional. Like, what, what are we talking? Like, what are we trying to explain <laughs> this to grandma? And so exactly. it was, uh, exactly. yeah, don't read, don't read Satchel by Larry Ty listeners. I'm going to give you the opposite recommendation of Ted. Go read the Agassiz biography and find yourself or memoir and be yeah. much happier. Absolutely. A lot of fun. As was this podcast pipe. Uh, we've done what we always do in that we've wandered to and fro throughout some NFL player moves. We got to do an NFL draft, either preview or recap. I've taken like a very deep tumble into Offensive line tape this year. I've got <laughs> Is so this many different offensive than any line previous tapes. year. Not really, but there were there were more guys to look okay. at this year, and I've just I've just been going crazy on it. And uh, I love some of these guys, and I want to talk O line. So maybe that'll be the next pod. Why but, don't uh, Why don't we plan to do like a baseball season preview? Because that you know we we kind of haven't talked yeah. about it because it's been so thrown off with this the whole lockout and barely any spring training. Why don't we do yeah. one of those and then let's do a draft recap. Love it, dude. I need like a week to get my baseball legs under underneath me, and then I'll. Be well, you ready. got about a week until games start, so hit, hit the ground running. Perfect. Pipe. We've done what we always do, and until next time. Thank you for listening to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. Be sure to visit thehappyrant.com to check out our merchandise, learn more about upcoming live events, and listen to past episodes. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.